Hello World. This is Centered Subject. Hello, Jenny. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm having a morning in New York City. It's pretty good. Yes. And you? And I am also well. I'm having um, an afternoon in London town. And mm. it's drizzly. It's been kind of raining. And I've been enjoying that. So my sojourn of traveling is coming to an end. I'll be back in LA next week. So I'm trying to get the the most of the moist weather. <laughs> the most of the moist. Mm-hmm. Very good. Most of the moist. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> How are you feeling about the state of the world at the moment? That's a good question. Um, I'm feeling kind of curious about where things are going. It seems like a moment of transformation for us and yeah I don't know it's it's kind of a it's kind of a hard moment it's a hard time but like it's interesting because <laughs> I I didn't mean to but I fell into the baby Yoda thing <laughs> I'm sorry I can't I don't know if, I don't know what that means what is it I know you probably are not aware of the baby Yoda thing but it's no. a thing and uh I can't stop with the Baby Yoda memes and the, I don't know, it's, it's a, he was in a movie and uh, it's a puppet. So like, you know, I've done puppets in my life and it's, it's just like a really good puppet and it's really fucking cute. And it took over the whole world kind of in the last, what, two or three months or something. My goodness, where have I been? Why haven't I been aware? I know. It's okay that you missed it. I think you'd probably hate him. Um I don't know. I, I definitely think you'd have a, an adversarial relationship with him. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but I suggest it. In fact, maybe you should never meet him. Actually, maybe. I'm going to protect you from his cuteness. He has power. He's 50, but he's a baby. That's part oh, of it. Oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I can relate to that. I think I have a, I have a perpetually juvenile yeah. um, lean, so I can definitely appreciate that situation. Can you move things with your hand from far away? Um, like in general, I can move things with my hand, yes, but depending how far. Well, yes, you know, I can take a play. I can pick something up somewhere and then take a flight somewhere and then oh. does that count? Sort of? No, oh, that's okay. not. No, but that's good. That's really nice. I like that now this is an interview to find out if you're a baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. No one has seen me. I am just a voice. Perhaps I am. <laughs> Are you wearing a cloak? Mm, I'm wearing a really like oversized collar, which oh, does seem a little absurd and possibly relate to the Yoda. That is what baby Yoda wears. Like, it's oh. very hyper baby. It's like a large, large <laughs> collar. The Peter Whoa. Pan collar, you know. And Peter oh. Pan never grows up, as we know. So, Oh, similar. Okay. Yep. Not dissimilar. Well, I'm more convinced that you are baby Yoda than I was in, when we started talking. <laughs> Excellent. Terrifying. Um, should we yeah. discuss some things that have been collecting in our yeah. news suitcase? Yes, there's a lot. There's yeah. bursting. Yeah. I mean there's a lot of just to be to be fair, there are a lot of terrible news happening right now. Um, mm. and quite quite scary. Actually it's, it's something interesting that I did want to discuss. How do we deal with like how do we parse all the news, you know, because they're kind of different mm-hmm different ones and do they there's something about the way that we read about them that's strange you know you kind of go from this you read one article and it's this kind of overwhelming situation 
you know, and it's mm-hmm. kind of a world, and then you go into the other one, and it's also like a serious situation, but maybe on a different, you know, on like a micro, a microbial level. You know, one is like political mm-hmm. and involves countries and violence, and the other one is, you know, right. microbes doing things and like this kind of micro inv- invisible level, but you know, potentially also really affecting. Yeah, it, mm. it's hard to somehow. It's like hard to navigate that. That's hard to know which right. one is more important, or how do you? Yeah. Well, well, some of them, I think, maybe make you feel uh, out of control. You know, I think mm-hmm. some of the new stuff that's going on now in the, you know, fires yeah. in Australia that could just, you'd feel really out of control. So it feels sort of, it feels helpful to read smaller things or to read historical things because it gives you a sense of, mm-hmm. you know, that, that life will continue or that things will be okay or that maybe if I understand this a little better, I'll feel more control in general. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's like a therapeutic element to reading the news. I think people, you know, I can imagine like people through time, you know, with their newspaper, though, even though it was yeah. horrifying, it was like the act of taking in and learning and processing the information mm-hmm. was therapeutic. And yeah. I definitely still think that's a thing, even if the news is creepy. It's interesting because there are different kinds, you know, everything is sort of, not, first of all, just thinking of, you know, newspaper and the articles that they produce, you know, there's an article and, you know, the shooting down of the plane, but then, and I'm sorry to put those in such close sentences, but then there's an article on the vagina egg that, I'm sorry, uh-huh. the vagina candle that Gwyneth Paltrow um, produced that got sold yes. out, you know, with like the smell of her vagina, which is gorgeous and funny and something else. But wow. anyway, but they sort of like, it's interesting. It's just so strange that it, things they're that put exist. right next to each other. Yeah, yeah. you know, that I mean, sure, there's like maybe. A, a different heading maybe there's like a graphic divider between sections yeah. and but nonetheless you know it's interesting like that all these things we somehow right, we have become like fast forward we more. must consume them and know about them all <laughs> Just yeah we've become more cynical than than yeah. we were i think 10 years ago right. and that they're like the flattening and, and what's happened with the media culture yeah. or something well, that's also like, you know, with status updates, I don't know, on Twitter, Facebook, yeah. even Instagram, you know, and sometimes like, oh, I'm so, so, you know, this is like a year since my grandfather passed away. And then the one underneath is like an ad for shoes. Mm. It's always strange when you scroll through all of them. Right. You know, and you you habituate to it. Yeah. Totally. Become very desensitized. But not to everything. Not to everything. <laughs> well, certain things really land. Yeah. For Various reasons, yeah. Yeah, I was, for instance, um, sensitized highly when I read about this recent story about scientists using stem cells from frogs to build first living robots with stumpy legs. <laughs> build what living robots? With stumpy, <laughs> living robot robots with oh. stumpy legs. Stumpy. <laughs> Wait, so they used. How did they just like put the robot parts into the cells of the frogs? Well, the way that it's described is that they assembled cells from African clawed frogs um, that move around under their own steam. And it's, they mentioned that the heart is, um, because heart cells spontaneously contract and relax, they behave like miniature engines. Wow, indeed. And. I'm not sure how they get fuel, but I guess they feed them somehow. But I mean, it's it's just very disturbing because I mean they they des- devise this creature and and it it's a new sort of creature. It's a new organism, um, but it's called a robot. Yeah, but it appears to function. You know, when you just sort of look at it 
at the basic functionality, you know, the same, you know, we need fuel, like I need fuel. If I probably don't have fuel for a few days, my heart um, engine will also probably stop. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's so... It's hard to define what a robot is. Exactly, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And Mm -hmm. also now now we have this term called cobot also. Um, Oh, it's a cobot. Cobot is, this is a term that I found in Graham Harmon book um he he's one of the proponents of the object-oriented ontology we've mentioned this in the podcast mm-hmm. before so it, it means a person you know who's working in conjunction with you know maybe a ro- like a technological thing so together they mm-hmm. constitute a unit so they they produce things together they kind of accomplish tasks together and so um mm-hmm. the term for that is a, so they create an entity that's cre- that sort of exists as the productive entity is called cobot I don't know mm. what a driver be yeah. a cobot, I guess. Again, like it sort of opens up these questions. Interesting. Yeah. Naming naming things is strange. I think of I always think of like health technologies mm-hmm. and like the fact that people just walk around with pacemakers and lot and like so many people have heart stints. It's not a robot necessarily, but yeah. you know, we're made up of of uh, ma- machines or things that are like man-made creations or like, you know, what we talk about a lot with like the way we kind of outsource our brains to our phones and how our phones restructure our thought pr- patterns, you know? Yes. It's like there's so much blending of like the human and the robot. Mm-hmm. And the algorithm affecting it. So there's kind of an algorithm oh, yeah. that, that you you activate by your digital behavior, but then yeah. by a kind of producing content that you would be engaging with it also kind of in turn affects you and changes you right so we're all kind of media cobots all the time mm-hmm. yeah i guess so yeah or or the living robot i suppose yeah. yeah i mean in some ways though it's like i guess this is something about this news that we find where when you can see the edges of it or like that it's silly in a way um and i guess they're they're marketing it in some way news wise mm-hmm. as like a fun news bit or whatever but I find it um like satisfying because it's like okay you guys we're trying really hard to engage with technology at this fast rate but it's not working that well you know it's Mm. the same thing as like when they try to sell you the wrong thing like on your phone like they think you're sometimes I think I'm a different person than I am Mm -hmm. and they just I just like get in the wrong pile for some reason Mm because I don't understand why but it makes me feel good because it's like, oh, the system isn't working that well. Like, it's still just capitalism. It's still just an algorithm. You know, mm. the robot, it hasn't fooled me. And I, like, find my humanity and, like, being like, okay, robot, you're stupid. You know, like, you're not, you haven't figured it all the way out. But I wonder, I wonder. Well, it's it's true. a kind of control. Um, yeah, you can't creating, control me. I think what's frightening about it is that it's, it almost sounds like if they're, you know, if they're creatures and they they do the bidding of their creators, and if they do develop sort of neurological systems that the, the couple of articles have mentioned that, you know, those, they said these are very small, but ultimately the plan is to make them to scale. Also, you know, the size changes. It's almost like yeah. developing, like making a slave, essentially, like making mm-hmm. a creature to do your bidding. Right. It's very eerie. It is. But, like, aren't dogs that same thing? Yeah. But they misbehave and they bite you even though you've trained them up. But you don't expect anything from them, in a way. Yeah. Pets, you people usually take care of them. I mean, what, what, what can a dog... I mean, they can maybe bring a slipper. But that's the extent of helpfulness. They can attack, they can attack an intruder. Oh, that's true, yeah. You're yeah. right. Yeah, actually, I haven't thought and about that. And that's, like, the yeah. big idea, you know. We that's have them right. around. You're right, yeah. I live in New York City. There's a lot of mean dogs. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. 
Sure, and in LA there will be signs, angry dog. <laughs> and and small idiotic dogs, of course. Yeah. Who 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 now seem I will They're say They're decorative. They're part of the outfit. I think dogs they've moved up. I definitely think dogs have I've seen the way certain dog now that I'm kinda used to seeing a dog in a stroller or in a purse mm-hmm. with an outfit on, like I'm used to it. They That's seem to strange. have a certain stately way that they look around now mm-hmm. that I don't think they used to have. They dogs are showing less shame. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna put that out <laughs> there. I think it's the clothes. Something happens. Maybe it's in New York City. No, I'm sure this is happening in LA. Well, where, no, like, clothes everywhere. I mean, there are dogs and clothes in Athens. I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And have you noticed that dogs seem to have a little bit more confidence as a species than they used to? I, this might be me. No. I might be crazy. No, they always have confidence. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They seem ridiculous. We used to be fools, but now we're princes. Like, now we're part of the family, you know? And I'm like, no, you're not. Get away. You're another species. And they're like, no, we've joined you. (laughs) I think that's always been the case. I really don't think it changed. I I think that's always been the case. Maybe I just saw one particularly smug, you know, animal in a a stroller going by, you know, and I'm generalizing. Well, the the little fluffy bio-rabbit looks like a fluffy tooth. In the image, <laughs> it's like an extracted molar. Oh, cloud. fluffy too. Yeah. Is it cute? It doesn't sound cute. Yeah. I, no, it, it looks very, it, it looks cute. Um, but yeah, there's also, you know, there's some concern about the, um, and obviously, you know, you hear something like that. And also the idea that they would enter the human body and like remove plaque um, yeah. from the arteries. But then you wonder, well, what else are they going to remove or add, you know, or like just yeah. you know, change your They're mind. Just hang out and, but then apparently, corner. yeah, people don't feel like that they pose threat to humankind. But I don't believe that. I'm not sure. Squatty frog robots. Yeah. We're going to keep our eyes on them. We're going to keep our eyes uh, on their eyes and see if they develop to scale indeed as promised well somewhat similarly in terms of just like invasion of the human body and acting like it's no big deal there there's been more corporate interest in in managing employees health because they pay for their health insurance so There's this news that came out about the U-Haul company monitoring people's health and preventing people who are smokers and like testing them to see if they're smoking nicotine or cigarettes and not letting them be employees, like future employees. So people are, so there's this thing where corporations are Mm. invading and participating in people's uh, biological health and then deciding their rights based on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's limited to U-Haul either. I mean, there's there yeah. sort of a slew of articles um, describing this situation. I mean, that happens in tech also. Some, you know, people yeah. sort of encourage, you know, they give bonus points for like losing weight. You know, there's this kind of techie companies that not also just techie, but all kinds of, co- yeah, corporations kind of just engage with that, um, with your health. And the idea is to a healthy worker is a productive worker. And so... right. And it's, but it's freaky because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of about the bottom line. They know that people are more expensive. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. yeah. We're more reliable and more, they're kind of, they want them to be. And I think reliable also a key, key question here. And then it kind of brings it um, closer to the robot as well. You know, like a program, mm-hmm. programmable machine, right. living machine. And who owns, and who owns your body? 
you know, who they yeah. own your body. That's what they're saying when they yes. can monitor it. And they own it beyond just work, beyond just the day that right. you come to work, beyond those eight hours or however That's long you right. spend there. They extend uh, past it. They go home with you to bed, to your dinner. And to your sense of yourself as well, mm-hmm. you know, like your value. Uh, it's actually really existentially challenging and horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, reminds me too of the... Uh, what company was it? Why do I think? No, it was Starbucks. They were like, instead of giving people more money, they were giving them access to mindfulness training. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. employees were really frustrated because they just wanted more money or more benefits right. and they were not interested in mindfulness. So it's Right, like, it was a pacifying tactic, sort of, you know, yeah. just accept, accept the state of things almost. Right. It's so big, big brother. And, and as a, like a, a person interested in therapy and in mindfulness and... um it's actually really, I've been reading Foucault for social work recently just because mm-hmm. I'm not in school at the moment. And um, it's really disturbing because, you know, mindfulness, mental health, physical health, like, well, mental health, like legislating mental health can be used as a control tactic, mm-hmm. you know? So who's, if your corporation is mandating your mental health or defining what is and isn't mental health, it gets really fucked up because then they can also define mental health in terms of, you know, if you're rebelling against the company, mm-hmm. it's, it just gets into this extremely fucked up, you know, ethical place. Yeah. Just any time a corporation engages with the body of an individual. Yeah. And makes me a little creeped out about the way mindfulness is used in general in the contemporary world. But, um, yeah, we could do a whole episode on that. Invasion. Invasion of your sense of self, your sense of mm-hmm. health, your sense of wellness. Yeah, this kind of constant surveillance that also goes just beyond the visual, but becomes biological. Mm. I mean, I guess there are other aspects of it, too, that are worrisome, right? Every behavior that I think is trackable, you know, if you use your debit card, your Apple Pay. um, Yeah, yeah. You know, someone has these logs, and so, you know, if you... I guess if, like, a healthcare provider or, like, the health ministry gets hold of it, they can also see, if, you know, maybe you bought cigarettes or, like, how much alcohol you've purchased, you know, just all these sort of oh, wow. moral decisions that, um, or, or, like, health-related, health and then they can probably yeah. send you to, you know. Send you away. Send you away to some rehab, you know, before you know it. Mm. no. We will legislate against this thing. We will. I mean, that's a crazy boundary. Right. And it's interesting that you can, you know, you'd think that you could avoid it by using cash, maybe at least just to kind of protect your um, purchasing history from being examined in that way. But a lot of places are just becoming cashless. Yeah. It makes me paranoid. It makes me wonder, like, how much this is conscious, you know? It's like that there's some system that's like, well, if we keep it all digital, then we can monitor and it become people you know there's less choice i feel like it started with convenience but then of, of course you know every every event that happens people analyze it and especially from kind of a capitalist viewpoint you know how can we yeah. benefit from it or how can we monetize it and then i think these kind of that way of life you know uh, mm-hmm. proved to be a fruitful one for yeah. data collection for predicting pe- human behavior and analyzing yeah. the future uh predicting the future um of said humans and yeah it is it is disturbing, and I think, yeah, it's, it's disturbing how pervasive it is. So in kind of considering these issues of agency and maybe achievement, this is something I read about um, a while ago. So there's a Hollywood Walk of Fame, and 
you know, it has stars. Everyone, I think, knows <laughs> that there's stars that commemorate different actors or, I guess, media personas or... I think, actually, are they just actors? No, I think, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it has to be someone from the motion picture industry, so maybe... Yeah. Yeah, so it does have to be someone from the movies, um, kind of largely speaking. But so, um, the Chevy Suburban had become... Um, the first inanimate object to receive a brass star and to not deserve it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it's not, it acts, it definitely ends up in a lot of films, but so are other cars actually. I mean, you know, come like on. why that one, but anyway, but <laughs> like the achievement, it is, it is definitely an eerie situation where it seems like a joke, but yeah. where it is elevated to, to this kind of starry quality. <laughs> car star yeah and meanwhile meanwhile a friend brendan joyce has been struggling for years to give the star to adorno to get adorno to have a star on the hollywood walk of fame um <laughs> he wrote the stars down to earth um that essay destroying the the astrologer from la times in the 50s philosopher adorno um should have a star but instead chevy suburban has a star is my point and yeah, <laughs> consider that Wrong. Completely wrong. 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 Yes. It's how dare it drive yeah. its its car self. Do you, should I read the the statement, the little the little quote? Yes. Okay. What does it have to say for itself? So uh, this is this is from Rana Godbon, president and CEO of the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. Um, mm. and this is what he said. The Award of Excellence Star is a special recognition that the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce presents to celebrate corporations like Chevrolet. Companies that have had a major impact on our economy, whether that's through job creation or their contribution to the community. And I think it's so disturbing because uh -huh. the movie stars, I mean, it's not, I mean, sure, of course, there's an economic impact of the filmmaking industry, but it it's the art. It's, you know, it's the... Yeah. It's artistic, so it's just it's so yeah. disturbing that economy just permeated kind of completely unabashedly into just every corner. Like that's sort of become the the ultimate form of ex human expression, I guess. Econ but economics. everyone knows it's bullshit, and <laughs> it's so like bullshit, yeah. they all decided that the a corporation is a person at some point, like when in the nineties. Yeah. So ever since that happened, it was just yeah. like this complete Down the existential. Hill. Yeah, we just flipped over mm -hmm. to some extent, and now we have to do. But, I mean, I think the nice thing about it is that, like, what idiots to do this? Like, everyone thinks it's stupid. I mean, however, I used to talk about this before Trump was elected, and then he, so maybe the fact that, like, he is the human version of this, that it's like, oh, this is too stupid to ever be real. Oh, yeah. Maybe we just have to live in super stupid for a while, and, mm -hmm. you know, It'll work its way through our culture. That's my dream. But mm -hmm. like, or maybe we'll just become much stupider and drive, you know, and cars will get stars. And, I don't know. It's, it's pretty dumb though. Well, we are, we're such creatures of objects as well. We're mm -hmm. obsessed. We're at we this are. point of our lives. Um, and I was reading this book. I've been reading this book, Goods by Emanuele um, yeah. Chocha. He's an Italian um, thinker. And he mentioned how you know there are different parts um i've been talking about it a lot so sorry if you know me and i've talked to you about this i apologize i keep repeating it but um so basically you know different times of his human history people have been like obsessed with morality and you know and it 
the way that it was expressed with you know through appealing to the skies or to like you know to hell or whatever to uh, to the underworld but now it's it's objects um and they have taken on this kind of moral moral quality mm. the way that it resonates for me is you know, we have conspicuous consumption and then we have ethical consumption. But, you know, there are all these kind of categories of, of objects. Mm-hmm. Of what you buy and how you buy. What you buy and mm-hmm. how you buy, you know, what the sto- and, and then the story that goes with it, you know, and then it becomes like this question of morality, especially for kind of a higher mm-hmm. um, income bracket. It's, it's, so, mm-hmm. it's so particular. And something about like how we're no longer, we're less physical. So yeah. it's like the object is raised to this higher plane to some extent because they're, they're, it's all much more conceptual. So it's like mm-hmm. the idea, it's like the platonic like yeah. object to some extent. Yeah, and it's a performance, kind of a performance. It's kind of a puppet show, really, all these objects. It really is. Yeah. It's it like is. a theater. Yeah, I was walking around earlier today um, in, I'm, I'm in Hackney and Homerton and, Walking down the street, and there was a you know this very inviting organic market. You know, there's this like a coffee shop, there's a cafe, there's there's flowers and all these really nice food products. And so I walked in there and just strolled through the aisles and kind of was really stunned by the all the titles of of all these objects. You know, like all these crackers were so they were sort of competing with each other and sounding more authentic and like more kind of hearty and more active. Like there was a rude cracker, for instance, you know, and and, and you know, and they were just the, the photo was like of this like very rough, like super fibrous textured cracker, you know, that's just so just filled with you know, kind of, it was so authentic that it was rude, you know, it wasn't even polite. Like it was like it was just primordial, basically. Rough, <laughs> It was so natural that it was rude. So there was all this kind stuff of, there. Kind of a sexy <laughs> really cracker. Crack. It was yeah. really sexy. Yes. You <laughs> walked around there and I, I didn't buy anything actually, but I just, you know, I just like wondered about and <laughs> just looked at all these things. And, and then, yeah, there was also these French sausages that also looked quite, they looked so dramatic. And I understand that they were authentic, you know, but, you know, they were just so kind of crusty and strangely shaped and... Yeah, they were. They were so handmade that you could, you know, there were sculptures, basically. Right, yeah. artisanal, artisanal food yes, objects. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dreams, like the dream. Something about like the dreams of the embodied living in nature. Like we're getting. Yes, so- yes, yes. As as more interior we become and like more glued to the screen, so like the dream yeah. of nature becomes more and more alive. Like we're hungrier and hungrier because we're less and less fed in yeah. a, like in an emplaced kind of way. Yeah, exactly. and I, I think that's the interest people have in travel. Also, like it's yes. like because we don't really exist in the same way. <laughs> we don't really exist. Period. Normally, we just yeah, like desire it. going to these places that mm-hmm. truly exist. So they need to be even more strange or even more bizarre yeah. and beautiful and picturesque. But right. then we want to put them on the placeless place, which is our real home, which mm-hmm. is like the internet or on Instagram or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's very interesting. Yeah, that's the real home, isn't it? The theater, yeah, the object, the object place, yeah. Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been traveling so much. I've been really. I realized the other day that it was very funny when I said, you know, I was leaving somewhere. I was out with friends, and I said, "Oh, okay, I'm going home." And then I realized, like, this, you know, not really. This is like home number twenty-two. <laughs> like, what did that yeah. mean? You know, it's not really. It's not yeah. really a home at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just the idea of of a home is. It is real, you know. A strange one. One can feel, yeah. I I imagine one can feel at home. People do, yeah. 
I mean, I I oddly do feel I have been feeling at home in different places. So maybe the home is within you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I think with people too, with relationships. Oh my goodness! And, yes, yes, it's mm-hmm. where people, it's where the people are always. Is. But it shifts. I definitely feel yeah. that it shifts, and sometimes we don't feel at home, and we yeah. used to, and it's like what, and we have to reconfigure what the home feeling is. I, I think in some ways it's harder with the internet, but in that way that like we create a sense of self online, we're always we are always sort of there in a way. And so, um, it's a comfort sometimes, you know, when you're unhomed and you don't quite have a home, but it doesn't measure up in the end, I think, yeah. which is why we're obsessed with, uh, <laughs> rustic crackers. Yes. The allure of the rustic cracker. Rustically rude. So more on surveillance. And I have to say what I particularly enjoy about this episode is that most of the news are quite old. And, you know, I, I really take comfort in like returning to old news because there are many news that just happen. You know, we just, they sort of happen and they go away. But here we just stay with, this was from Christmas. Um, this news I read about the CCTV installed at Karl Marx's grave. At Highgate, oh. Oh. the Marx is present in a sculptural form at his grave. Yes. There's his bust, and it was defaced two times this year. Oh. Um, and so... What did they write on it? Oh, I don't know. What did they write? Were they like capitalist, pro-capitalist assholes? Um, I think it was also something Jewish, you know, Jews and oh. yeah, like commie Jesus and all Christ. that stuff. So. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot mm-hmm. of issues to pick with Marx, I suppose. If you, you know, wow. if you're of particular um, camp, and now, but now there's these cameras, um, which is obviously kind of surreal because it's surveillance of. Yeah, I guess I guess people that you know they visit from states that had history of kind of surveillance, communist states. You know, they yeah. they find it. Um, eerie and kind of, right. ca- you know, sort of case in point. Can you tap into it? Can I look at the Marks cam? Like I can look at the bear cam and the. Oh, someone should hack into it. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that it's not open to just anyone, yeah. but it should be actually. I think I wouldn't mind. Many people should somehow. be able to look at the at Marx's right. monument, and and maybe you know maybe the kind of the Marxist of the world should take turns uh-huh. um, monitoring the camera. That's right. I feel like it could be a nice socialist socializing. Um, Agree. Maybe together, or they could like live stream it. Great, just like you know, hang out. And yeah, have have a have beer. Look at the yeah. Look at the screen. Maybe read the cap dust capital. Yeah, you could give speeches and at the stream. Yeah, sounds great. That sounds like a really positive <laughs> surveillance situation. Yeah. It could be. It could be very good. Unlike, uh, of course, the ring camera that got hacked into by a creepy one creepy hacker did this like two or three times to different cameras, where he would talk to people in their houses, like but parents. I have uh, heard of this in my family, like not of my relatives, but like in schools. Apparently, they'll put cameras in the classroom, and then parents can log on and watch their kid in the classroom, mm-hmm. but there's no sound, which I, I, there's a lot of, I have a lot of issues with that. Like on one level, it's like a nanny cam kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So in the same 
yeah, in the same way this guy had a nanny cam for his kids and the man decided to talk. Some hacker decided to talk to the children and it was very creepy, which is like the most invasive and not funny and just horrible, like such a nightmare right. that I almost don't want people to know about it because it's just like going to make people paranoid all the time. But, you know, I support turning off fucking Alexa and being creeped out by this kind of stuff. But like, mm. yeah, I don't know. The man sitting in the room watching and trying to freak people out is just like so scary. I think just in general, the level of surveillance that exists and but i think it exists not only kind of for the state or for the man behind the curtain you know i mean it also exists mm -hmm. within ourselves you know i think we also mm. we have this kind of that's embedded in our daily yeah. activity you know mm -hmm. people have um of like you know red yeah. you know there's like a red receipt on your message maybe or you could some people have it or you watch you see how many people watch your stories or like how many times you know and you mm -hmm. think about like oh how you know should i like yeah. Log in at you know you kind of consider you consider this this also as you go about your day you know like how visible you are to your mm -hmm. you know to your circle um, but you also figure out a way to sort of track other people you know to see if they yeah. somehow if they left any traces you know or they posted something and then you're like oh they were there you know just right I think you know if you're if you're in a dating app you you can usually with some of them I think you can see. Um, the distance that you're you're from mm -hmm. you know some person mm -hmm. so yeah all that is just so just mapping out surveillance yeah spies yeah and it's like charming spies kind of like you know oh i'm just this tiny frog that's gonna be in your body it's also just like, too painful no. like you know i think we don't need to we really don't need to i think mm -hmm. it's really destructive to people it makes yeah. everyone into a kind of a stalker and mm -hmm. obsessive Mm -hmm. and not alone also like this feeling that yeah. we're our aloneness is never truly alone so it can't deepen yeah. and busy in an upsetting way mm -hmm. yeah, yeah we don't like it we don't like it but we're addicted to it you know yeah. that we engage in it too it's hard it's really hard it's such i mean it's the classic thing where we come up with the technology but we don't quite know what it's going to do to us um, and we've done this since the beginning of mankind, I think. We just sort of race forward with technologies because they do make things easier. And that's, that is the way I feel. I feel like I've read this in, in some anthropology stuff that we were not structured to, we didn't evolve to contextualize things in a deep way, though that is what we are trying to do. Um, we're evolved as a, as a species to just make the next thing easier. Yeah. You know, we don't have long-term planning. We just don't have that as a species. We have short-term, we have relative short-term, but we do, we can't plan. That's why the climate yeah. crisis exists. Like we cannot plan for 50 years. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think we, we could, I think we want to, I think, mm. you know, we should, but it's, it's goes against some of our, you know, programming. I think we're kind of stupid. Like we're brilliant, mm -hmm. but we're also kind of unwise. You know, yeah. Well, we're impulsive also, and that's so. Mm. Don't consider the consequences so often. Yes, indeed. But we should. Yes, I mean, I have I have made a real commitment myself to try to figure out my own mindfulness practice in my own way, not in relation to Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And I have noticed just the, the getting back on it just in a little way, you're afforded just this little bit of space to 
to consider something. Like I have found myself to be just a little bit less reactive. I'm certainly like a beast and running around mm. freaking out about stuff or getting frustrated or whatever, um, or euphorically happy about whatever. But like, I, there's this nice thing that can happen. I think if we work at it, where we can slow down a little bit, if we want to. You know, it's not mandatory, but we don't have to just like react, react, react. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. It's certainly not made easier by the way the culture works itself. Do you have any helpful advice in our age of cute invasion? I do. I mean, I have a very kind of idealistic advice today. I just think that sometimes. And surveillance, I think surveillance of each other comes into it. Um, I think we seek approval mm-hmm. a lot. And we kind of seek it outside of ourselves. We look at, yeah. you know, we kind of like look at what we get, the attention we get from the world. But it's never enough. And so I really feel like it's really important to know what it is that you actually want and what makes you happy and to constantly ask yourself that question because you can just kind of get lost and I guess like what's conventionally maybe mm-hmm. seem to matter, you know, mm-hmm. whatever is kind of society is telling you to do. But then, you know, it might just be really small stuff that you you want to do that will make you happy. Yeah. And yeah, I think I'm just increasingly also because I've been traveling, you know, so there hasn't been very consistent. It ha- my life hasn't been very consistent, but I found these moments of joy in, in kind of small, small repetitions that are really pleasurable. You know, I just, I usually go and have a coffee somewhere in the morning and, um, and it's just, you know, it's just such a nice thing to fall asleep and look forward to that. And there's yeah. like a favorite. I have, the, I have this aromatic oil and I like this one I don't know it's really stupid small advice but I think it's just it's like really small these like small no it's nice points of joy that yeah you get um whilst also thinking of your kind of larger purpose in life and what makes you happy and like what makes you happy as a human what sort of what kind of situations are you know really bring out your joyful self yeah what makes you happy? I also really advocate spending friend time with friends. I've been traveling, and so traveling in London in particular, I know a lot of. Um, I have a lot of friends, so I've been seeing all these old friends, and it's been just so incredible um, to see people that you haven't seen in a while, but you know you have a long history with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really nice. Yeah. So my advice is um, to have coffee in the morning to travel, um, spend time with friends. Mm. Yeah. Good. Ask yourself what you like and what makes you happy, and yeah, yeah. Try to give it to yourself. Cool. Mine is that I recently had this thing. Even though maybe my people I know are surveilled, or I think I know myself, I keep trying to remind myself that I don't. I don't know. I don't know people. I don't know the people even I know really well, like I don't know them, like in a way I don't, I like notice that I assume. Yeah. Even I think social media gives you the impression too, that they seem very whole and whatever. And I noticed that I have a tendency to like press pause on relationships or people that I know and just assume they're going to continue in that same way that I imagine them. But people are always different and 
and not me. And so I'm like trying to be open to their kind of the new territory or the like, you know, just the foreignness in a po- very positive sense yeah. of, of another person, That's maybe so even true. myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's a fun thing to practice. Yeah. Not assuming. I think also it's really hard to remember that not, not everyone is um, kind of wired the same way that I am wired and they have different reactions and really yeah. different behavior, really different responses, different understanding of, you know, the same sentence we read, but we understand it differently. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah. And that's, it's, and that's positive. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think maybe we do lose a little bit of that um, today because I've mentioned it also before, but we kind of speak to, we communicate so much with like the world at large, you know, and not with people in particular, you know, when you post something to the internet in general, you know, not so much individually. I think mm-hmm. we have to we do, it does create a kind of a sense of blanket other, you know, that you've imagined in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, how much they participate with your voice or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, yeah. But really, I mean, it's a very rich conversation that's always happening, even with images of the other or, you know, them having images of you. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful yeah. also in like kind of relationship romantic situations I find as oh, well yeah. in particular it's, because so, it's so challenging much, yeah you kind of imagine you really you fall in love with someone you imagine them um but you know they might be a, an entirely different person and they are usually <laughs> yes, <laughs> it indeed. never coincides quite and from quite day so to day I mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we wish you peace and calm yes okay travel and coffee mm-hmm. and yeah probably don't trust robots even if they're yeah. small yeah. particularly if they're small yeah, yeah. a healthy dose of skepticism when it comes to mm-hmm. biorobots and cobot activities as well yes yeah the read right. does capital also yeah great bedtime reading are you my cobot <laughs> are we yes. cobots yes yes i am yes yes, oh, yes. i'm the yoda and the cobot also oh i'm all those cute. things can mm-hmm. i be okay i want to be the mandalorian okay yeah, yeah. Sure. he's kind of a cobot yeah sure <laughs> All right. Okay, out and centered, centered out and till next week. Right, ciao. Cool.